0: Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening to The Schmidt Show, good time of the day. Thanks for joining me. I want to get this in here real quick before we uh, get the show started. We had a little bit of a, a struggle with uh, with some equipment uh, malfunction today. I'm pretty sure I screwed something up, and I, I, I'm just going to take the blame for it because I, I, I probably... Should have known better. So we've got a little bit of a kind of a weird clipping thing going on throughout the show today. So I apologize for that. Um, But I just kind of want to let you know up front that that we are aware of it. We are working on it and it is already taken care of for next week. So it won't come up again. But if you hear it, that's what's going on. There was kind of a weird thing there. So uh, it's problem solved. But there's a lot of really great information, so we didn't want to scrap the episode. Uh, we just felt like the, the, the information we got out was exactly what we wanted to get out, and so we're not going to scrap the episode. You just We just ask you to be patient as you listen to the, the episode this week and uh, know that we've already got the problem solved for next week. So, with that, good morning, and I say good morning because we record the show live. We record it live in the... Uh the uh, Chalaya Studios, do you have, like, a special name for this, Noah? Like, is it? I, I... I vote we call it Schmidt Central. <laughs> the, what's, the, what's the one that Levin uses in a nondescript Descript building? building under, something. Underground bunker nondescript building. <laughs> yeah. Well, this isn't such a uh, underground bunker. It is somewhat of a nondescript building, though. It's not like a. there's no like, flashing lights or bat signal on the roof or anything like that. Uh, yet, <laughs> yet, no, it says. So, uh, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good day, whatever it is, whatever time you're uh, finally getting around to downloading the Schmidt Show podcast or listening. If you're listening live in the chat room, you, we uh, we say hello to you. We say good morning to you here in the U.S. Depending on where at around the world, because I'm, a, I'm learning that uh, folks listen from Australia and Chile. And Sweden and Denmark and all kinds of places all over the world. So that's really kind of cool, especially for a a rookie podcaster like myself to have um, already an international audience. As we the Schmidt Show, it's an international kind of show. We're just that big and that good already. We just we didn't even have to try, and we're we're reaching people all around the world. So, uh, so welcome to the Schmidt Show. If you want to join the conversation, if you want to jump in here and uh, have your voice heard. Weigh in on some of the topics and some of the uh, items of the day, the news items of the day. We're going to talk about. Um, give us a call. It's 866-766-1776. That's the phone number. It's toll free uh, in the U.S. I'm not sure if it's toll free anywhere else, but yeah, if you're somewhere where you can't get in on the toll free stuff, reach us in the chat in the uh, chat room. It's on freenode. It's just Schmidheads. We're on freenode. Um, we're on Telegram. Under the Schmidt Show, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Actually, I've posted, I've been a member of Instagram, or what do you call it? I have an account on Instagram, I guess. I've been on Instagram for about three years or more, and I have posted one picture. So maybe reach me on Instagram as well. Um, If you can't find me, to to be honest, if you can't find me, if you can't get a hold of us here at the Schmidt Show, you're not trying hard enough because Noah has done an excellent job of making sure that we apparently have, we have discord too. I should probably open discord. we got discord. Um, somebody mentioned mumble, but I don't think we're on mumble yet. Are we, we are on mumble. Awesome. So we're even on mumble. I don't even know how to get to mumble. I don't even know honestly what mumble is, but apparently we're there as well. <laughs> it's kind of like Skype, isn't it? Except for like people that actually know what they're doing and, and not, noobs or what yeah rookies or it's like it's it's uh what is it it's 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 it's, it's skype for people who are 3l what is it 3 l three t uh so anyway good morning welcome to the schmidt show um apparently we're in the yeah there's nobody in discord so you all need to need to step up and get into discord so we could do that too. So, uh, so we got a lot to talk about today. It's, it's labor day here in the U S wherever you're at. If you're in the U S happy labor day, if you're not, nobody cares. So, uh, happy, whatever day it is, wherever you are. So I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody else celebrates a labor day, similar holiday anywhere else. I'm, I'm that typical dumb American that doesn't know a whole lot about other cultures. um, So if there's some other holiday that you're celebrating today, happy whatever day it is. Um, I I promised last week that we're going to go over some more of the Russian collusion stuff and talk about uh, or or finish making some of the connections to what's going on with this Russian collusion story and the the Clinton Foundation, and and I I explained last week to start off the show how how the connections between Mueller and Lerner and and Rosenstein and Clinton and Comey and all those I kind of went through and laid the foundation of where all these connections are. Now again, I want to kind of clarify. I, I don't want this to come across as some sort of weirdo conspiracy theory that you know all of these people are just sitting around in Washington every day finding out or or trying to figure out new ways to to. Uh, you know, down the country, or you know, hiding in some bunker somewhere, plotting the fall of of mankind with the Rothschilds and the and the the Bilderbergers and and all of those. It's not the the that's not what I'm trying to get at. Because a lot of these connections, whether it's Rosenstein, and Comey, and Mueller and Lois Lerner and all these, a lot of these connections in the Clintons and all that they make a lot of sense considering that the headquarters for a lot of these organizations are in Washington, D.C. And in order to get a lot of these kind of higher positions within these different organizations, you've got to know some folks. you got to have some connections. So some of this stuff is completely and totally understandable. And just not that big of a deal. Now, that being said, uh, it it is important to note some of the connections over the long term. It's not just a one-time kind of deal. So some of this stuff actually does matter, but I, like I said, I don't want it to come across as I'm some weirdo uh, conspiracy theory guy that, you know, believes in, in you know the aliens at Roswell are coming to take your children from you in the middle of the night and replace them with lizard people or anything like that. So And I probably just ticked off a bunch of those conspiracy theorists because they're all going, God, that's real stuff. I know it is. So if that's you, I'm sorry. I'm just not there yet. You're going to have to give me more convincing evidence. Um, so, but before we do that today, I, I, because a, a, a listener actually sent me a, a message here the other day and said, "Hey, I just finished episode three or episode two, and and I, I I got a suggestion for you. Instead of doing the main topic or the main discussion first, save that for the end, and just kind of go through the new stuff first. That way, you won't run around, run out of time with the news stuff. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna talk about a couple of the the current news items before we jump into all of the the." Uh, the, the Russian collusion stuff and, and get back into that. One of the ones I want to talk about is there's a story out of the LA Times um, just last week, I believe it was, I think, the 29th, so whatever day that was, was that the Thursday? Was it, the, thir- Thursday? it was the 29th of Thursday? Or what day was that? I think it was Thursday. Let me get my calendar up here. Uh, yeah, 29th uh, was Wednesday last week. So, story out of the LA Times last week um, talking about the arrests that ice is make ice ice is um for those that don't know ice stands for immigration and customs enforcement and ice has been going around arresting folks in california um who are wanted on immigration and export or i'm uh, not export what's the word i'm looking for um, um, when you get kicked out of the country what is it called how did i free what is it deportation deportation how do I get export out of that? I don't know. See, if it weren't for Noah, I would not have a show. I am serious. <laughs> export um, not—they're not being exported. That's that's kind of a positive thing when you are doing exports. They're being deported. So these these uh, these illegal immigrants that are being uh, deported or have deportation orders on them are being arrested by ICE, even though the cities or the counties or the states or whatever that they're in are quote unquote sanctuary cities well it's causing some trouble out in California because the courts are saying hey wait a second why are you coming into our courtrooms and arresting these people the the you're causing a scene you're putting the public in danger you're arresting possibly dangerous criminals in the courtroom as opposed to arresting them you know when they get out of jail or or whatever well ICE is simply saying, look, you guys have tied our hands. You you have put these people in a position to where they can escape these deportation orders because you're not telling us when they're re- you're releasing them. You're not doing your job in informing federal government that, hey, here is an illegal immigrant who is is being uh, released from prison or is being released from custody in one form or another at the jail where we can safely, in a controlled environment, arrest them and deal with them on the immigration laws that they have violated. And so you're forcing us to meet them at the courthouse where we know they're going to be because they're scheduled to be in court. And we know that you've got them in custody so we can look at their their arraignment hearing schedules, and their other, you know, court hearing schedules. And when they're there, we can then arrest them. And so ICE is having to to put, and I don't know how much danger they're really putting people in, but they're essentially going, showing up at the courthouse and arresting these people as soon as they walk out of the courtroom. Now, to me, that seems to make a lot of sense. If the If I know where the bad guy's going to be, why not go arrest him exactly where he's going to be? This isn't th- this isn't difficult math to figure out. And, and this is the problem with these sanctuary cities. The the job that they're trying to do or the thing that they're trying to do with these sanctuary cities or sanctuary counties or whatever it is, that what they're trying to do is is skirt federal law and they're thinking that they're making things better because we all know that illegal immigrants are all just wonderful, fine, upstanding citizens that would never do anything wrong and never break any laws and certainly wouldn't be violent criminals in, you know, going to court for drug or or murder or rape charges or anything like that. They're, they probably were just pulled over for an innocent, you know, failure to use a blinger when they turned into the the Chick-fil-A parking lot to show up for the Bible study and the evil government decided to arrest the poor illegal immigrant. And we all know that that's just how it all is, right? I mean, these we would never imagine. I mean, it, to to even suggest that any illegal immigrant would ever do anything outside of the law is is absurd. And and so ICE is this evil organization that's coming in and arresting these poor illegal immigrants who are just a victim of of happenstance because their Bible study got moved across town. And so they had to change their normal pattern and forgot to use their blinker. So along comes the evil Trump administration and ICE and decides to deport them. Now, of course, I'm being certain, I'm being facetious and all of that but, that, but in the end, that's what's happening. ICE is going to the courthouse where they know these violent criminals are, where they know the the drug dealers and the murderers and the rapists are going to be for their various court appearances, and they're arresting them there. And all ICE is saying is, hey, look, it's your fault. You did this. You put us in a position where we didn't have a choice. We can't come arrest them at the jails because you're not telling us when you're releasing them. And because they're quote unquote sanctuary prisons or sanctuary penitentiaries, we're not allowed in there. And so we have to come to where we know they're going to be in public at a given time. And and so this is this is the problem with this kind of mentality and this idea with with the illegal immigration stuff. So I was doing a report for my terrestrial show or doing a segment in my terrestrial radio show last week and I was talking about by the way, if you want to join me on the terrestrial radio show, you could do that. Just go to KNOXradio.com, dot com and you can listen in there at our at our website and and follow me there and, and call into that show as well and, and be a part of that show as well. It's Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 PM on Central Time, so you can you can do be a part of the Schmidt Show more than just the once a week podcast if you if you want to be a part of that. So um, so anyway, I was doing this segment on my on my terrestrial show. And there's an audio clip of the current governor of of New York, Governor Cuomo of New York State. And he is in a debate because he's up for re-election and he's got a democrat challenger that is somewhat of a radical leftist socialist type, you know, Bernie Sanders, uh, Andrea or Alexandria Cortez type person and they're having this kind of this fight about who can who can out socialize or out criminalize each other and governor Cuomo of New York comes out and makes this statement that he says ICE agents are thugs. And that he said he was so proud of the state of New York suing the Trump administration for ripping babies from their parents' arms, and that ICE agents are thugs. And so, to put in contrast the people that the, the radical leftist governor of New York State and the, the radical leftist challenger that is challenging him and forcing him to go even farther to the left than he has in the past. Is calling thus. I found an article. There's an operation by the ICAC, which is the Internet Crimes Against Children um, group or uh, agency within the, the the Justice Department, and then there's another operation uh, within the the Immigration and Customs Enforcement agency as well that worked hand in hand with the two. Together, the ICAC and ICE, uh, Inter- Inter- uh, Immigration Customs Enforcement, to arrest predators, sexual predators preying on children. They may in in three months get this. It, to, if you want to talk about an epidemic in society, sexual predation, sexual predation of children in in the U.S. is absolutely out of control. In three months, in March, April, and May of 2018, these two organizations, ICE and the ICAC of the Justice Department, arrested 2,300 sexual predators. Just put that in a little bit of perspective. My hometown, the town that I grew up in, had less than 2,000 people in it. In three months, ICE and the ICAC arrested more people than in my entire hometown that were preying on children, sexual predators preying on children. And these are the people that are doing it. It's the ICE agents. It's the Justice Department agents. It's the FBI, the CIA, and all these other organizations and, and federal law enforcement agencies working hand-in-hand hand with your local law enforcement agencies, your county sheriff's departments, your local city police, and so on down the road. And and the the radical left of the Democrat party that that is no longer the radical left that has become the 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 mainstream governor Cuomo in New York is not some crazy radical out there you know jim uh, joseph stalin you know adolf hitler kind of crazy i mean he's a he is your mainstream just regular run of the mill democrat in the united states in the state of north dakota and he's out there calling the people that are arresting people who are preying on children. He's calling them thugs. He can't bring himself to call the sexual predators thugs. They're obviously not the problem. The people that are that are the the people that are are getting involved in preying on children sexually. They're apparently, according to Governor Cuomo. Not a problem. The problem is ICE agents that are that are arresting these people. This is how far the mainstream left in the Democrat party has gone. They 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 would rather shut down ICE because it makes them feel bad about children being separated from their parents at the border when they cross illegally. That's somehow a problem, but the the thousands and thousands of children that are preyed on by perverts and dirtbags, those children apparently don't matter. The American children, citizens of the United States and their children being preyed on by sexual predators, that's fine. We can allow that, but God forbid we take some precautions in making sure that the people who are coming into the United States on our southern border and other places are are actually the people who they say they are this is this is the kind of crazy that we're seeing from the mainstream Democrat party in today's world and so just kind of keep that in perspective every time you hear about a Democrat or a a an Alexandria Cortez or a Governor Cuomo or a Bernie Sanders, or a Nancy Pelosi, or Chuck Schumer, or any of these others, when they start calling for the abolition of ICE, just know that they want to abolish the organization that is arresting thousands of child sex predators. That's the people that want to stop. Don't let the, 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 the Wolf Blitzers, and the Chris Matthews, and the, the Jake Tappers, and the other wackos on the news... Don't let them fool you into thinking that ICE is somehow destroying the fabric of society because it's those guys that are putting their lives lives on the line and having to wade through the crap and the garbage and the absolute dregs of society, the worst of the worst of the worst of humanity, to make sure that your children are safe from sexual predators. That's who the modern Democrat Party wants to abolish. That's the people that they want to put out of jobs. The, the, the insanity of this, I cannot explain how, how insane that ideology is. The, 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 that somehow the problem is not the illegal border crossers. The problem is not the child sex predators. The problem is not the, the, the disgusting dregs of humanity problem is ICE agents. And listen to any Democrat, any modern Democrat, in a debate in the next few months before the election in November. Almost every one of them will have as part of their policy statement, we have to abolish ICE. It's an unfair, mean, uncompassionate agency. They, and, and when they say that, just know that what they're actually saying is we need to stop arresting child sexual predators we need to take resources and manpower off the street in the fight against sexual predators because we want to protect illegal immigrants coming into this country we want to further enhance the ability of a of a foreign nation to undermine our sovereignty that's what the left and the modern democrat party has become that and and allowing um adult men to shower in the, the public pool restroom with your 13-year-old daughter. But that's a whole other discussion. So anyway, that's one of the topics I want to get to. Another one, and I've got links to all this stuff in in the show notes. And I want to say this. I think I've said this before, but I just want to keep clarifying or, or or making sure that everybody's aware of this. I put links to various articles in my show notes for you to dig into and to read. It doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with everything in the article. And sometimes it may be an article that I completely and totally a thousand percent disagree with, but I just want to put the information out there. So if you want to read through it, if you want to see some of the stuff that I'm reading and see some of the articles that I'm looking at, then you could do that. But like I said, don't, don't take it as an endorsement by me as, as this is a, 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 Good solid reference article. I may post something to uh, you know, I may even post something, excuse me, I may even post something from InfoWars from Alex Jones that is absolutely and totally crazy. But I just want to want you to be able to see what's being talked about out there. I'll post things from, from Salon or or from Vox or whatever, which are uh, you know, they their ideological leaning is is different from mine. But you know, just to to get the information out there. So don't think that just because I post it that I have somehow endorsed their viewpoint or their analysis of the situation. It's just a matter of getting the information out there. So another discussion I had earlier this week was a discussion with a gentleman from from South Africa, and interestingly enough, there, there's a there's a uh, um, it's it's kind of uh, an interesting thought process or or coincidence if you want to call it that i don't know if I even really believe in coincidences um, but i uh, i was talking to a listener from South Africa earlier this week and we got into the discussion about some of what's happening with the South african farmers um now and and around the world or uh, in in uh, with the with the new government over there, and sorry, I'm trying to get this uh, trying to get this article brought up here. Um, I had this conversation with a gentleman from South Africa who is living in Cape Town currently, and I don't remember all of the details of his story, and and I don't want to share the details of his story because uh, it appears and it sounds as I was talking to him that there is a genuine concern for his safety. Um, If you're the praying kind of person, um, there's a lot of people in South Africa right now that could use your prayers, that could use your um, intercession for them because a miracle is needed in South Africa. There is a genuine threat to the stability of that country, but not just the stability of the country, but a genuine threat to real people homeowners and and farm owners and and families and men and women and children and the brutality is absolutely um worse than what you are seeing on the news the i saw cnn and and msnbc and a couple of these others kind of poo-pooing it and saying ah it's not that bad it's really not that bad the numbers don't really show that you know there's only been you know 25 or 50 people killed or whatever and and the reality is much much worse than that after having this conversation with this gentleman and and looking at some of the links that he sent me uh to information from from that area the the situation is much much worse than is being reported it is it is being I, I wouldn't say being covered up but it is being ignored at the at at best in in the american media in fact i found one article um From the national, which is I believe an african uh newspaper um i 'm not entirely certain where this is, but it, the link is in the show notes i, I it might be from somewhere else uh, but I thought the person that sent it to me was uh was suggesting that this was actually based in south africa um and and essentially what 's happening according to this is that it is it is absolutely collapsing. Over there, and there doesn't seem in the title actually says South Africa is in a mess and little hope remains. And so, when I asked this gentleman from South Africa, um, you know, I, I said, "Is it really as dangerous?" Because the tourism numbers are up. There's more people showing up there uh, this year than there was last year, like by twenty five percent. So, tourism dollars and things being spent in South Africa are, are without question are up and and seem to be growing so I asked him I said is it really that bad I mean is is it really as bad is it really as dangerous as as we've been hearing or or is the American news media correct and they're saying ah it's no big deal it's yeah some bad stuff happening but you know nothing to see here move along and his response to me was was interesting because it almost um, it almost sounded like a line in a poem or a a a line in a movie. He he said and I, I won't get the exact quote right, but he said danger lurks around every corner in South Africa. Especially for him, he's a white man with a white wife and children and um, essentially he said danger lurks around every corner. Now Earlier I mentioned coincidence. The interesting coincidence about all this is at the time I was having that conversation with him, literally the very same day, a good friend of mine was in a small town in North Dakota and sitting down for dinner and he heard a table of men speaking in an obviously foreign language and turned out he, he overheard the waitress mention that they were from South Africa. I think it was either five or seven men um were sitting around the table having lunch or whatever and talking. And he he determined by listening to the waitress that or waitress that they were from South Africa and he asked them, you know, hey, is it is it really that bad? And essentially they had the same response. It's it's not just bad, it's worse than you've been told. And so I'm working on maybe getting together with them and doing an interview and digging into this a little bit more deeply. But I wanna I wanna kind of break this down and, and talk a little bit about why South Africa matters to us here in the U.S. and why South Africa matters to really anywhere else in the world. Now, South South Africa is not some global superpower like the United States or China or Russia or or anybody like that. They're not some you know economic powerhouse that if the collapse of South Afri- Africa happens, that you know that the entire world is going to starve because of the failure of their of their. Um, their farm economy and, you know, anything like that. There will be some majorly, majorly disastrous effects in in Africa, and there will be some major, major dra- disastrous effects in South Africa itself. But, you know, for the most part, we here in the United States won't really notice much. I mean, economically, it won't affect us all that much. You know, from a food production standpoint, it won't really affect us all that much. I don't know exactly what South Africa's you know top exports and things are. I, I know there's some mining industry there. Um, I believe there's some diamond mining, and I, I believe there's some gold mining there as well. I might be wrong on that, but I'm sure you can look it up. Wikipedia is pretty easy to, to navigate. But the, the point is the United States will not be dramatically affected by the collapse or the the dissolution of or, or even – you know, complete and total uh, failure of of the government in South Africa. It just won't affect the United States that much. But the reason it matters to us, and the reason it matters to you, no matter where you are, is because of the ideology behind what is happening in South Africa to the South African farmers, and it's it's essentially. And I'm gonna oversimplify this and and, and and kind of gloss over the, the intricacies of what's happening. But essentially what it is is you've got a class of people who are ticked off about the apartheid issue and have finally taken over control again of the government and so they are are implementing um, retaliatory type policies in response to the apartheid issues of the, the 90s or whatever. And it goes back farther than that, but again I, I, I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm oversimplifying for the sake of getting to the point that I want to get to because that part of it isn't as important as to what the ideology means for um, us and what it means for essentially the rest of the world. So in the United States, we have been a nation who has struggled through a lot of the same growing pains as any other country. 150 plus years ago, the United States still allowed for legal slavery. It was it was legal in the United States up until 1865-ish that one human being could could own as property another human being. Now, thankfully, we've righted that ship, and we've we've since you know say for the last 150 years, it's been illegal, and we have made great strides in in changing that and allowing for um, you know, black people to vote, and and all of these folks that used to be, or the the their ancestors were slaves, are now you know they enjoy all of the same rights that I do as a white male, and and all that kind of thing. So we've made huge strides in that, in in stepping out of that. Now there is a movement within the United States, and it, and it's a movement globally in in other areas, but it's 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 foundations are here in the United States. These ideas of reparations the 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 paying back for slavery the ancestors of those who were enslaved so essentially the idea was if you can prove legally or or through you know ancestry or whatever through ancestry.com or you know dna my23me or whatever you got to do i don't know what they would how they would make that uh, um, adjudication but when you can prove that your ancestors were slaves here in the United States you would receive reparations you would receive uh, a payment some sort of check from the government that would be paid by tax dollars or you know some other form of of compensation for the the oppression of your ancestors the same movement is also talked about doing the same thing for Native Americans. We, you know, the, the, the belief that the white man came and stole their land and therefore we need to pay them back for the land that we stole from them. And, and it, they would then get some sort of, uh, you know, like say some sort of recompense or some sort of compensation for the injustice done to their ancestors, a hundred, 150 years ago. Now, that's kind of what's happening in South Africa. It's it's not quite the same, but that's you get the basic idea. You're all smart. You'll be able to figure what out, figure out what I, or understand what I'm talking about. But that's kind of what's happening in South Africa. Is there that there is a, a movement being um, pushed to get recompense or get compensation or some sort of, of payback to the 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 black people who were victims of the apartheid era in South Africa and so instead of simply saying hey we're going to figure out a way to help you be successful build a farm teach you how to farm you know how to grow various crops or or get involved in a mining pro- project or or whatever is happening whatever industry that they are in, help them be successful. Instead, what they're doing is they're taking the people who are successful and stealing their land, stealing their means of production, and then giving it to people who are ancestors of or have been a a victim of the apartheid era. Now, this on the surface does sound like a bad idea, right you were you were you were treated poorly, so we're going to get justice for you. We're going to get you the the insurance claim for lack of a better term that you deserve and on the surface, yeah, that's a great idea. You were a victim, you should get some sort of judgment in your favor. you know you're the the plaintiff in a court case. And and you should be taken care of for the injustice that has been done to you. The problem where this comes in in the United States is the problem is there's nobody in the United States, and there hasn't been for several several decades, that were actually victims of slavery. Now I actually just talked to a guy Saturday night, who is a black man who was born in an era in the United States when his his race was not allowed to vote, was not allowed to participate in the, the, the various experiences of citizenship within the United States. So they're still here. There's still people that have had injustice done to them, but not on the level that is, in, in the opinion of most, worthy of reparations. And so here's the other danger in, in getting involved in the idea or in the concept of reparations and, and why, again, South Africa matters. Because the next step of reparations is we've got to pay for reparations. We've got to figure out a way. If we're going to give every ancestor of every slave in the United States a check for $100, $1,000, $100,000, whatever the number we come up and determine is appropriate, We've got to pay for that. And the way that it is paid for is through tax dollars or seizure of property. And if I own a farm, if you own a farm, and the government comes and says, you know, John over here, who was a victim of apartheid, who was a victim of slavery, who was a victim of whatever oppression, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be black people. All, the Irish have been oppressed multiple uh, in multiple instances around the world. The Jews have been oppressed in multiple instances around the world. Arabs have been oppressed. The Japanese, the, I mean, pick a race, and there's been some sort of oppression at some point in their history. So if you have been a victim of, of, of some sort of oppression, you need to be paid back. You need to be compensated for your oppression. The only way we do that is we punish the people who have oppressed you. And the only way we punish the people who have oppressed you is seize their property, seize their, their money, and then give it to the person who's been oppressed. Now, if you're a farmer, if you're a, a producer, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be farming, but if you're a producer and you have, unfortunately, because of your heritage, been deemed as part of the race, a part of the heritage that oppressed people 100 years ago, even though you and no one you know has never been guilty of oppression, you get to pay back them or pay back their victims for their crimes. And not even their victims, you get to pay back the ancestors of their victims. And what it leads to is a lot of things. First of all, it leads to class envy, because now people who were victims are jealous of you and they'll come after you because they've been told by the government, they've been told by the media, they've been told by the history books or whatever, that you are evil and that your class, your heritage, your ethnicity, your family or whatever is evil. And therefore, because you're evil, it is acceptable to... To steal your property, to steal your means of production, to to bring recompense for the wrong that was done to my ancestors. And it doesn't ever stop because what ends up happening is you end up in a situation like, not quite the same, but much like the kulaks of Ukraine back in the 20s. The kulaks were very successful farmers and were producing lots and lots and lots of food for the Russians in the 20s and the early 1900s. And Stalin and and his buddies decided that that was unfair, that these, these Ukrainian kulaks were successful. They were somehow getting an unfair portion of the profits, an unfair portion of the spoils of their production. And so they began to seize the property of these Ukrainian Kulaks. And when the Ukrainian Kulaks said, wait a second, you can't steal my property. Then Stalin just said, well, fine, we'll just kill you then. And millions of Ukrainians were killed by Stalin and his regime. And what happened was the Kulaks were the only ones who knew how to farm. And they were the only ones who knew all the tips and the tricks and the secrets You know, they knew the one weird trick to be a successful farmer in Ukraine in the 20s. And so since they were now being murdered by the thousands, there was nobody left to farm. And when nobody was left to farm and all of the the farmers were dead and all of the farms sat idle because Stalin and his cronies didn't know how to farm, millions of Russians died of starvation. And that's where we're headed with the South, Amer- South Africans. If you start killing all the farmers who are successful, are successful and know how to farm and, and stealing their land and giving to people who don't know how to farm, the, the, the disastrous side effect will be a lack of production of food. And when there's not enough food, guess what happens? People start to starve to death. And so when you think about what's happening here, just in the state of North Dakota, there's four Native American Indian reservations. And if we were to tell the Ameri- the, uh, the North Dakota farmers who control literally probably millions of acres of land and the means of production for sugar beets and potatoes and wheat and corn and soybeans and barley and flax and every other crop that you can imagine, canola and all kinds of other um, edible beans and all sorts of other food that is produced just in the very small state of North Dakota. If you took all of those farmers and said, it is unfair that the land that you live on and the land that you use to produce food and therefore an income for your family was taken from the Native Americans... And so we're going to take it from you and we're going to give it to the ancestors of the Native Americans because it was your ancestors who stole the land from their ancestors. Now, the Native American population in North Dakota is is fairly small. And even though some of them may know how to farm, they would not have either the pop, just surely the numbers on how to successfully work or they would have the numbers to to be effective in successfully working the vast number of acres of land in North Dakota and a lot of them simply wouldn't have the knowledge now they not that they couldn't learn it but farming in the United States as it has in the in so many parts around the world has become very complicated it requires all kinds of knowledge of chemicals and, and pesticides, and things like that, and it requires knowledge of fertilizers, and crop rotations, and which crops um, are, are best to, you know, one year if you plant corn, the next year you have to plant some other crop, and in order to the replace the minerals that were taken from the ground by the corn, if you put these other crop in, it replaces the minerals into the Thing, but then the next year that crop takes out various minerals and things, so that has to be replaced by you know a different crop and rotating various things in the fields, and there is a it is an incredibly incredibly complicated process to effectively operate a farm in the state of North Dakota or anywhere for for that matter, but. If you take me, all of a sudden, you take all of the people that have all of that knowledge and all of that skill and all of that wisdom on, on how to produce and put it in the hands of a population that A, doesn't have enough numbers, B, may or may not have enough knowledge, and, and C, may or may not have the desire to even be involved in that industry, what's going to happen is the millions and millions and millions of tons of food that is produced by an entire state, immediately within a year, within, I mean, literally within months, that food source disappears. That food source goes away. And now a small state in the middle of nowhere in in the United States that's producing literally millions of tons of food for people all around the world, that goes away and people suffer and die and starve to death because of somebody who wanted to do something that made them feel good, about getting revenge on or about writing some injustice. Now, I think there are ways that we could probably go about writing some of those injustices. I think a lot of it has been done already, and there's maybe more that needs to be done. But the the approach that's being taken in South Africa is not the answer. It will lead simply to more death and destruction and more victimization of people all around the world. And if we allow that kind of ideology, that kind of policy process to play out in the United States or anywhere else in the world for that matter, the result will not be injustice being righted. The result will not be people in poverty being risen out or, or, or raised out of prop, prop, poverty, what will end up happening is that more and more injustice and more and more death and more and more destruction will come as a result because it's not about doing good. The, it's the idea of the, the leftist ideology of doing what feels good. And, and sometimes doing what's right doesn't always feel good. And sometimes doing what feels good isn't always right. And so that's why South Africa matters to us. And that's why we need to be paying attention to what's happening in South Africa is because that ideology is not just dangerous for people in South Africa. That ideology is disastrous for all of humanity. So, that's my, my thoughts on that. So keep an eye on that and be aware of what's going on there. I, I, I may have I feel like I may have rambled a little bit there um through that, but it, it is so important that that we be aware of what's happening in on the world stage because what happens there and it doesn't matter where there is, it doesn't matter if South Africa is there or if venezuela is there or if russia is there or great britain is there if we if we if we are not paying attention what's happening there will be eventually happening here and again here doesn't matter where here is here could be where you are here could be where i am but if it's happening there it eventually will happen here and sometimes that's good you know when when there is technological advancement in the field of medicine here and that is then sh- exported and shipped out to there. That's a good thing. But when death and destruction is happening here and is exported and shipped out to there, that's obviously a bad thing. So uh, moving on, I want to just touch on this real quick. I gotta, I've got a, I've got a link to an article um, about the Trump bashing stuff that happened at the uh, John McCain funeral and the Aretha Franklin funeral over the weekend. And over the last, I guess, the last week or so, um, this is just, in, in my opinion, this is just one more reason why we can't have nice things. Um, the, this, the, the general stupidity of taking the funeral of Aretha Franklin, a unbelievable talent and, and a woman who brought so much joy to literally millions of people through her talent and skill, as a as a musician and a, an artist, um, and taking that as a moment to bash a political opponent that you don't agree with, it's embarrassing and childish. Period. I, I get so. I mean, again, you don't have to like Donald Trump, and I've you'll get this, you'll get to know this about me. I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump, but instead of talking about who he is or his personality let's start talking about what he did and what he's done like and I mean policy wise you know like see, so you don't have to like him you don't have to, to to think his his uh the way he treats women is a good thing or the way he has historically behaved is a good thing but let's not get on uh, on on our soapbox at somebody's funeral and and talk about how we don't like him or because we think he's, you know, a a scuzzbag. The funeral, and as a former pastor, what I used to tell people, funerals are not for the dead. Funerals are for the living. Funerals are for people who are left behind. And and the juvenile behavior of McCain's family, the juvenile behavior of of even former President Bush and Obama and Clinton and, and all of the people that were at these funerals, the the quote unquote elites. I mean it's it's absurd. The the, the childishness. Like I say, you don't have to like Donald Trump to, to know that it's inappropriate to start bashing and 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 bad talking someone at a funeral for someone entirely different Aretha Franklin had nothing to do with Donald Trump so why bring up Donald Trump at a funeral and they try to be all classy about it and they try to to sneak it in with, with you know flowery language, but in the end, everybody knew it. Everybody knew exactly what they were talking about. And in the end, we as Americans end up looking like a bunch of petty fools. So knock it off. Go to John McCain's funeral, celebrate him for his service to the country, and celebrate his role as a father and a husband and and whatever he did as a human being. And the same for Aretha Franklin. Go and celebrate her music and celebrate the accomplishments that she made and achieved and leave Donald Trump out of it. Because you end up just looking like a childish fool, to be honest. So and stop so that was the other thing. Stop with the so and so said this and so and so said that. Let's let's get to talking about so and so did this and so and so did that. You know? Yeah, Donald Trump says some stupid stuff on Twitter. Donald Trump said some stupid stuff about John McCain in, in various interviews. But what has Donald Trump done for the veterans? Let's talk about that. What has Donald Trump done to improve policy at the VA where people were literally waiting in line so long for care that they were dying? What has he done for that? Now I don't have a list of accomplishments in, in those areas to point out because you're smart enough to find those. But let's let's focus on that. Let's focus on and if he's done something bad, well then fine. Let's talk about it. Let's let's figure out how we can, you know, push Congress to force Donald Trump to do something better. But even that is not an appropriate discussion for a funeral for a f- former senator or a musician just celebrate the people who died help their family get closure and move on and leave the childish mudslinging and and schoolyard name-calling for just that for the schoolyards and and the mud pits so we're gonna run out of time before we get to the uh, russian collusion stuff or get too deep into the russian collusion stuff but again, if you go to the show notes, you'll see some of the the links to the articles um, that that are are that I've been digging into and reading some of the stuff, um, some of the uranium one deal stuff and and um, the nuclear energy stuff. There's a there's a pretty interesting um, article I believe from 2013 by Pravda uh, that talks a little bit about some of this, and it's actually referenced. It's actually referenced, sorry about that, I had to sneeze. <laughs> um, referenced in one of the other articles, so check that out. We'll come back to that maybe next week. But in the end, the, the the basic answer to this Russian collusion stuff is if you're looking for Russian collusion in meddling in the 2016 election, looking at the Trump campaign is just the wrong place to look. And, and, and I didn't even, I'm not saying this as a, As a Donald Trump sycophant, I didn't even vote for Donald Trump. I voted for the guy, I don't even know the guy's name, I voted for the Constitution Party uh, candidate because I didn't like Donald Trump as a person. And, you know, I've had to admit that I was wrong on a few things with Trump and he's gotten some things right. Things that I didn't like and didn't believe that he would ever do, he's gotten done. And stuff that I thought was just empty campaign promises that, that would get him elected... Um, is stuff that he's actually done. So I've been wrong about Trump before, so I'm sure I'll be wrong about him again in the future. But um, the, the the simple fact is, if you're looking for Russian collusion and meddling in the 2016 election, it wasn't with the Trump campaign. It was with Trump's opposition. And, and we'll continue this discussion, I'm sure, over the next several months and probably won't go away for years, if we're honest. Last uh, The last news discussion or news article I want to get to, and there's a link to it um, in the show notes, it's an article in CNN's money section, I guess. Um, it's a story about California, imagine that, wanting to implement a legal requirement of companies' boards of directors to place at least one woman on their board by the end of next year or face a penalty. Now, this is absurd on several levels, but it's absurd for women. Feminism is destroying women because every woman that ends up serving on a board of directors in the state of California, after this is implemented, will never know. We'll never know if they have been able to uh, effectively prove that they are capable of doing the job or if they are simply there because they're a token. And what this kind of policy in California does to women is it reduces them from being capable, effective, knowledgeable, skilled leaders. It reduces them to tokens. Because I can almost promise you that every board of directors that is forced to place a woman on their board will be talking about that woman behind their back as the token woman on the board and if i were a woman on any one of those boards i would i wouldn't even i wouldn't even degrade myself to apply for that position because that's exactly what it does is it degrades women to a point of saying we know you're not good enough to get on here and we know that you don't offer enough to this company to make it on this board on your own merits so we're going to force them to take you on. And and I can't believe that feminist organizations are allowing this kind of thing. Because here's here's what we have learned about women over the last couple of years. We have learned that men are better at everything than women, including being women. The feminist movement has so destroyed the value of women that we have learned because of Bruce Jenner, and who is now wanting to be called Caitlyn Jenner, we have learned that even men are even better at being women than women. When, when, when Bruce Jenner was selected as woman of the year by ESPN or whatever stupid group that gave him that award, what they said essentially was that, well, we know that men are better at everything. Now we know that men are even better women than women. Bruce Jenner as a man is a better woman than every other woman in the world that day. I, I, for the life of me, and somebody maybe could, could email in or text in or, or chat room in or call in or whatever and, and explain to me how I'm stupid and just don't get this because the honest to God truth is if, if you want to prove that women are valuable and, and necessary for the success of society, which I believe they absolutely are. Stop trying to be men. Right? That, that's the, that seems to be the end result of feminism. Feminists don't want to be women. They want to be men. The, the, the radical feminist movement, they, they can't celebrate the things that make women great and make women wonderful. My wife is, is one of the greatest women I've ever met. And she celebrates being a woman. So if you're a feminist, celebrate being a woman. Quit trying to be men. Quit trying to 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 usurp the role of men in society. If you if if you want to prove that women are awesome, celebrate the things that make women women. Whatever that is, whether if you're a better multitasker or whatever other stereotypical female thing is celebrate womanhood and and stop trying to stop. First of all, here's another side of this that I'm already going to go over time on, but something that just absolutely fries me. Stop tearing men down. You complain about men being nothing but Useless pieces of garbage and all the bad stuff that men do. Yeah, men have done some crappy stuff over the years. Nobody denies that. But you know what? Women have done some pretty crappy things too. So stop trying to to tear men down and build yourself up. Don't say we need feminism because men are crap. Say we need feminism because women are awesome. Because, you know what I think? I think women are awesome. I think women have more to offer society than we ever imagined. But it doesn't have to be done in the boardroom if they don't want to do it that way. It doesn't have to be done in in the in the realm of combat in military. It doesn't have to be done in traditionally male dominated arenas. Sometimes the reason these various industries are dominated by men is because that's the kind of thing that men like to do. And not a lot of women want to do that thing, whatever the industry is. It's not because men are refusing to allow women in. It's because there's not that many women that are interested in it. I think of crab fishing, right? You ever watch The deadliest, uh, Deadliest Catch? There's not a whole lot of women on that show. And it's not because women aren't allowed, in fact Sig uh Sig I can't think his last name Sig the captain of the Northwestern had his own daughter on the ship. She wanted to crab go crab fishing. And and so it's not that they're not allowed, it's just that every woman I've ever talked to, I mean and I mean this literally, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Every woman I've ever talked to, when I say I love watching the deadliest catch and I'd like to maybe someday go try crab fishing, every woman I've ever talked to said, "That's you're nuts, that's stupid, why would you want to do that? I, that's the last job I ever want to do in my entire life. I've never met a single woman that says, man, I can't wait to go try crab fishing. So we, we've got to get, if you want if you want to push feminism forward into the 21st century, Stop trying to be men. Just be women and celebrate the things that make women awesome. Because there's a ton of things that make women awesome. Without women, life on this planet does not exist, period. It is the woman's job in biology, in science, in in physiology. It is the women's job to carry life. That is amazing. It, 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 the, the level of awesomeness that is being a mother is I, I mean it that's that's on a whole different scale of awesomeness. No matter what you do to your genitals as a man you cannot carry a child in your uterus because you don't have one the the things that make women awesome is womanhood the things that make men awesome is manhood but you know what the downside the side effect the the, the fast talking guy at the end of that commercial is the things that make men crappy sometimes is manhood. And the things that make some women crappy is womanhood. My wife used to work at a daycare with 27 other women. And she enjoyed it. She liked her job and she had some really good friends there. But one of the things that she noted was that sometimes it could get really catty. And the women that she worked with could be really, really mean to the other women that work there, because that's kind of a woman thing, in her opinion. And and one of the things that men do to other men is we can be really hard on each other. We think we're just ribbing each other and giving each other a hard time, and it's all in good fun. Fun, and it's a it's a it's a punch to the shoulder, and and we're just teasing a little bit. But I've also known men that have walked away from situations like that feeling absolutely beaten down and defeated, because sometimes men can be really crappy to each other as well. We just do it a different way. And that's the other great thing about men and women is that men and women, no matter what radical leftist, feminist nut job will tell you, men and women are different, and that's OK. If you want to celebrate diversity, celebrate the things that make men and women different. If you want to celebrate diversity, celebrate the things that make African-Americans and Asians and, and Europeans and Americans celebrate the things that make us different and complementary to each other. And stop trying to make everybody the same. Stop trying to bring us all down to the lowest common denominator. If you got a dumb kid in your class, you don't teach all of the other kids to be dumb like him. You teach all of them to be smarter and and do their best and to achieve. And guess what? Even the dumb kid in the class begins to get a little bit better and a little bit smarter. When I was in high school in wrestling, I never wrestled with and practiced the worst kid on the team. I always found the kids that were better than me because wrestling with them made me better. When I go out and I do custom or I do uh, competition trap shooting, I, I don't go out and shoot with people who irritate me because they're not as good as me and they don't understand the sport as well as me. I do that when I want to teach them and help them and, and bring them along. But when I really need to practice, when I really need to improve, I find people that are better than me and I talk to them and I ask them about how they do it so I can be better too. We've got to stop this dumbing down of everything. Women need to stop being men. You are selling yourself short. If you're you're a woman out there and you are trying to be more manly so you can succeed in a quote-unquote man's world, you are selling yourself short. Be a woman and go out there and prove to men that women can be just as successful in any other arena because women are capable of success. Stop trying to be a man. You're, you're, you're selling yourself short if that's your goal, to be more manly. And guys, quit being sissies. Go and be men. I am so sick and tired. Don't even get me started. I am so sick and tired of, of men thinking they got to get more in touch with their feminine side and all that kind of stuff. Yes, be kind, be compassionate, be caring of, of those who have less p- ability and less power and authority than you. you. If you want to talk about being a man, take care of those who can't take care of themselves. That's being a man. My job as a husband, my job as a father is to take care of those who don't have the ability to take care of themselves or simply don't have the resources to take care of themselves. My kids can't go out and get full-time jobs that pay bills and rent and all those sorts of things because my kid, my son has to go to high school and my daughter has to go to college. And my wife goes out and does her part and works her job and all those sorts of things. But my job as a man is to take care of my family, be a man. And being a man sometimes means being compassionate and caring and kind and all of that. Just, uh, uh, sorry, I get a little, it, it, this is one that just absolutely fries my grits. It just gets me absolutely infuriated. Celebrate the things that make you great. Stop pretending or trying to be something you're not. When Greg Max is back in the, what, in the 90s, when Greg Max was pitching for the, the uh, Atlanta Braves, they signed him on some 30 million dollars contract at the time. It was like the biggest, you know, contract for pitcher in the history of baseball, whatever it was. It was all over the news. Greg Maddox makes this huge multi-multi-million dollar contract with the Atlanta Braves. And you know what Greg Maddox never did for the Atlanta Braves? He never went to batting practice because he wasn't a home run hitter. Greg Maddox spent his time in the bullpen with a pitching coach. Pitching. And when Greg Maddox stepped out on the plate and burned that 100-mile-an-hour fastball or that crazy, ugly curveball by a batter and struck him out, the Atlanta Braves management went, man, that was worth every penny. And when Greg Maddox got up to bat, and I don't know if he was on, I don't know enough about baseball to know if he was, if he was a, a had a designated hitter or whatever. I don't follow baseball that much. But when Greg Maddox got up to bat and struck out, the management at the Atlanta Braves said, man, he's still worth every penny because we didn't hire a home runner here. We hired a pitcher. So go out and be what you are, and be great at it, and celebrate. Women stop trying to be men. Men quit trying to be women. Boys quit trying to be girls, and girls quit trying to be boys. And, and just be the best that you can be at being you. So we're a little bit long this week, and and I apologize for getting a little wound up or whatever. Maybe I shouldn't apologize. It just this 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 is stuff that matters. This is the kind of thing that will absolutely change our society. It, we hear this all the time in, in news. We got to change society. We gotta we gotta fix this because you know men are bad and you know, blah whatever. No, no, we, they're not. Men are bad. Women are bad. None of that. They're just different. It's okay to be different. So, anyway, I'm out. It's uh, an hour and 15 minutes into the show. So, I I try to keep these to an hour, but I I was just, that's one of the things that I get passionate about. And I, I, I can't stress enough that it's okay to be different, to be who you are and to be to to celebrate the things that you are when you think of the most attractive women in the world and i don't mean like physically beautiful like attractive on a beauty scale but attractive as human beings someone that people want to be friends with someone that 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 people want to um, you know hire for their the open positions in their company, someone that, that people want to engage in business with, and all of that. When you think of the most attractive women in the world, they're not manly, you know, radical feminist type women. They're women who celebrate being women. And men, the most attractive men in the world, and again, I'm not talking about physical beauty, like beauty pageant, you know. Matthew McConaughey, sexiest man in the world kind of attractive. When, when you, the, the men who are most attractive, the guys that get the jobs, that become CEOs, that, that get that promotion at work, are manly men. Men who celebrate being men and do the things that it means to be manly. Like show up to work on time and be friendly and don't be a jerk. To your coworkers, and and just do your job, and do it with excellence. Those are the people who are attractive. Those are the people people want to be friends with. Those are the people that women want to date. Those are the people that bosses want to promote and hire. Those are the people who win elections in in political races. All that kind of stuff. Celebrate being who you are. And stop trying to to pretend. And we are are absolutely destroying an entire generation of children by telling our young boys that it's bad to be a boy and telling our young girls that they need to be more like men. Why would we want our girls to be more like men if men are so crappy? And why would we want our men to be women if women can't get jobs anywhere? Uh, It's insanity, the the absurd. nature of that cyclical loop of a of an argument. Anyway, I'm out of here. I got, I, got, I got to wrap this up. So we'll have to continue this discussion next week. I'm looking forward as the Schmidt Show grows, as I'm looking forward to seeing how this experience moves forward and we begin to take phone calls and things like that. Just a a quick reminder of the phone number. If you do want to join us while we're live, it's 866 766 1776 You can find us on Freenode uh in the Freenode chat room. It's called schmidt's Um we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram and Facebook, we're on okay, what else are we on? No, we're on Discord, we're on Mumble, we're on Telegram, we're on if you can't find us you're not trying hard enough. Just go to the schmidshow.com or podcast.schmidtshow.com, and you will find every different way to connect to us as you possibly can there. And that will continue to improve. And also, I want to mention Patreon. We started a Patreon account. Um, I'm not begging for money, so if you want to support us on Patreon, go ahead, you'll figure it out, you're smart. Um, But for those who have already uh, signed up and are supporting us on Patreon, I am working with a graphic designer to get a Schmidt head character created so we can get schmidt head t-shirts and hats and mugs and all kinds of cool stuff so if you're already a patreon subscriber as soon as we get that done you'll be the first to know about it and the first to uh to get some some uh schmidt Show merch and for those who are not yet patreon uh members as you sign up for uh, uh supporting us on patreon we plan to get uh some schmidt Show merch out to you as well and then as we move forward if you just want to buy the merch we can do that, and we're going to be having some giveaways uh, as well. Be giving out some free T-shirts and and uh, some free uh, hats, mugs, or whatever other keychains or other cool stuff that we get created with the Schmidt Show uh, merch and the Schmidt Head character. So, Schmidt Heads unite! All that I don't know. I got to get my there. it is. we got the outro going already. So, thank you for everything. Thank you, Noah, for being the. Uh, default producer uh, thank you to vox telesis for for buy, for providing us the phone number um, and all of you for downloading the podcast every week we've already reached um uh, i don't know a couple thousand downloads already um just with from you word of mouth from you guys telling other people about it so i'm out of here i'm brad schmidt we'll see you next week on schmidt show podcast